Hello, today is the 25th of February and this edition of our talking newspaper brings you the local news and views as, a pr- as reported in the last two weeks Exmouth and Budley Salterton journals and also includes some other items which might be of interest to you. Firstly though, our usual little historical tidbits. On this day in 1838, a London pedestrian walked 20 miles backwards, followed by 20 miles forwards in eight hours. No reason was given for this stunt. And it was on this day in 1932 that the Austrian immigrant Adolf Hitler was granted German citizenship. And on the 25th of February in 1995, the singer Frank Sinatra made his final performance before a live audience of 1,200 selected guests. This was at the Palm Desert Marriott Ballroom in California on the closing night of his charity golf tournament. Our editor today is Juliet Clark, producer Rosalind Tucker with Martin Ailing. Copier is Wendy Collins and our dispatcher is John Ingham. Our readers today are Julie Bates, Jane Tiley, Dot Taylor and I'm Dave Pollock. Now here's Julie to read our first news item. Right, hello. Devon County Council is planning to continue its contribution to adult homelessness prevention services for the next financial year, but says it's still looking for a sustainable and long-term funding solution. Last year, the council proposed withdrawing a total of 1.5 million in funding to five hostels, including Alexandra House in Exmouth, and a network that helps people struggling on low incomes to stay in their homes. That proposal was scrapped after severe concerns were raised by the leader of the East Devon District Council, along with local charities helping the homeless. The County Council agreed to continue funding the services until the end of March 2024. Cuts to spending on homelessness services have been on the agenda for the last week's Cabinet meeting, but councillors then heard that the government funding settlement was slightly higher than expected, and they agreed to maintain the current level of spending with a budget of £1.45 million for 2024-25. to However, the County Council has no statutory responsibility for housing and the homeless, which come under the work of the District Council and has said it will continue discussions with the district over the long-term funding of homelessness support services. The Cabinet meeting also agreed to spend an extra £1.5 on road maintenance work to prevent potholes. The money will be used for regular drainage works to stop potholes forming after heavy rain. Devon County Council Member for Finance, uh, Phil Twiss, told councillors, the final government settlement was announced after our draft budget was published, so it is pleasing to be able to include some extra spending. We've been talking to our District Council colleagues and listening to what our budget scrutiny committees at Devon County Council have told us over the past month. We are also, we've also held formal consultations and meetings with representatives from business, the trade unions and the voluntary sector taking on board their priorities. Councillors' postbags regularly include complaints from motorists about potholes on our roads, and it is important that when there is some extra money available, we do our best to tackle the problem. We recognise 
the work that district councils and organisations like the YMCA do to make life a little easier for some of the homeless and I'm delighted we are able to continue to help with a full grant. Hi, I'm Jane. This is a report from the county court about a drug courier being found guilty of carrying cannabis. A courier has been found guilty of driving a consignment of cannabis to Devon on behalf of a major drugs gang that operated across large areas of East and Mid-Devon. Scott Bayliss was recruited by the organised crime group which used the trade name South Coast after the father of a gang co-leader, Jamie Chapman, was stopped by police after making 47 different round trips to London. Some of the drug supply was coordinated by a large-scale dealer from his base in Spain and its leaders organised delivery to Devon on their own chat group on the messaging app Signal. Bayliss only made one trip to pick up cannabis, but others within the conspiracy, including the head of the Devon operation, Philip Fallows, were also dealing in cocaine, Exeter Crown Court was told. The cannabis was distributed through a network of lower-level dealers based in Crediton, Exmouth, Ottery St Mary, Sidmouth and Exeter in Devon, and Camelford in Cornwall. The total amount involved amounted to kilograms of the drug. The drugs were brought from Enfield, North London, to Philip Fallows' home in Sidmouth over 18 months between June 2021 until police broke up the operation in December 2022. Fallows also had a house at Tidwell Close in Budley Salterton, where just under a kilogram of cannabis was found. Checks on his bank account showed £54,000 credits over the previous two years. Exeter Crown Court heard that 11 people have admitted taking part in a 15-month conspiracy to supply cannabis and one of being concerned in supply. Scott Bayliss, aged 44, of Albion Street, Exmouth, denied conspiracy to supply cannabis but was found guilty. He chose not to give evidence but his case was that he did not realise the true purpose of his trip to London. He was convicted after the prosecution showed the jury text in which he was being lined up to make a second trip a few days later and which implied he was aware of what was going on. Judge David Evans ordered a probation pre-sentence report and released Bayliss on bail. He then told the jury that some of the others within the conspiracy had also admitted supplying cocaine. He said all the defendants would be sentenced over two days later this this year. The jury have been told that the 10 people who have admitted conspiracy to supply cannabis include Matthew Harris, aged 55, of Albion Street, Exmouth. Hi, Dot speaking. Exmouth National Coast Guard Institute has another new watchkeeper. And there's a lovely smiley face on the front here of Robin Pearce. A woman who has qualified as a volunteer watchkeeper has been congratulated by her NCI counterparts. Robin Pierce qualified for the Royal Yachts Association VHF Short Range Certificate. The Short Range Certificate is the minimum qualification required by law to control the operation of VHF radio equipment. If anyone would like to find out more about becoming a volunteer watchkeeper, please contact the station via its website using the contact button for recruitment. A spokesman for Exmouth NCI said, we welcome Robin to our NCI station here in Exmouth. We look forward to working with you. 
NCI Exmouth maintains eyes along the coast 52 weeks of the year. Watchkeeping hours are adjusted to reflect the daylight hours and the activities taking place on local beaches and inshore waters. Organisers of this year's Budley Music Festival have announced who will be heading to the town to perform between Friday, June the 28th and July the 7th. Performers include opera legend Dame Sarah Connolly and the internationally acclaimed concert pianist Benjamin Grosner. The festival will also feature a family concert in partnership with Budley Salterton Literary Festival, bringing Michael Malpergo and cellist Claire O'Donnell together in his version of The Carnival of the Animals. The festival is centred around St Peter's Church and tickets go on sale to Friends of the Festival on March the 27th. Kate Summerby, chair of Budley Music Festival, said, We're thrilled to welcome such an impressive lineup of internationally recognised artists to Budley Salterton. Although we are a relatively small festival, I really feel that we punch above our weight when it comes to the quality of our concerts. Part of our mission is to make classical music as accessible as possible to people, and our artistic director, Jason Thornton, has excelled himself in this year's selection. It's a programme that will attract a huge diversity of music tastes, from classical music aficionados to those who are just dipping their toe in the water for the first time. There will be opportunities for locals with an event for the elderly and vulnerable, a concert for schools, lunchtime concerts featuring younger musicians and a community choral workshop, culminating in a performance on the opening day which will also feature, feature local schools. The choral workshop will be led by Bob Chilcott, who returns to Badly Salterton after his successful event last year. The singers will work together on his hugely popular A Little Jazz Mass in his 20th anniversary year. This year's evening concert series begins with the award-winning choir Tenebrae under the direction of Nigel Short. There are piano recitals by Benjamin Grosner and a rising star, Ethan Locke, the BBC Young Musician Pianist finalist, blind since birth. The final Saturday night will see the BBC Big Band raise the roof of St Peter's in a celebration of classics and jazz, with special guest appearance by singer Elaine Delmar, guaranteed to give a feel-good night out. There'll be lunchtime concerts every day and other events throughout the week. Booking for Friends of the Festival opens on March the 27th and tickets go on general sale on April the 5th. South West Water hosted a roadshow at Exmouth Town Hall which was met by a protest um, by members of the public. Protesters held the demonstration outside the Town Hall which the group behind it said was to make it very clear to South West Water that we simply don't accept the damage they are doing to us, to our environment and to our tourism. Enough is enough. A Facebook group called Escape, which actually stands for End Sewage Convoys and Pollution, Exmouth, is open for members of the public to join and find out the latest on sewage pollution in Exmouth and Budley. 
A spokesman for the protest said Southwest Water needs to be held account to account and that the strength of opposition to their actions has been demonstrated. In response, the Southwest Water said, The opinions of our customers matter to us greatly. We are listening and know how we have more to do. The purpose of events like our community roadshow in Exmouth is to hear directly from customers and to have the opportunity to discuss any concerns they may have. We are investing to help deliver improvements in our environmental performance and will continue to do all we can to protect our region's seas and rivers. Southwest Water are hosting a series of coastal community roadshows across the region to share latest business plans with customers and to demonstrate how we're investing re uh, record amounts in making improvements right across the southwest. At Exmouth, the event, the public were invited to find out for themselves how the water and wastewater systems of work and of work and, and what and what and what plans the company had for Exmouth area. Beware of distraction callers. Police are warning residents in some areas of Exmouth to be on the alert for suspicious callers. Two incidents in Brixington have been reported to officers and there may have been others that have not been recorded. In one case, a woman knocked on the door of an elderly resident claiming to be a plainclothes police officer and asked him about his CCTV system. He invited her in, but she soon left afterwards. She is described as white, 5 foot 6 to 5 foot 8 tall, wearing a dark or navy suit and was well spoken with no distinguishable accent. In another case, a householder found a female intruder in her kitchen. She was in her 30s with a slim build, wearing a plastic apron and a dark or navy jacket, and spoke with an Eastern European accent. When challenged, she claimed she was a carer and promptly left. No items were stolen from either of these two properties. Police are urging people not to let callers into their homes if they have any doubts about their identity. Householders should also be aware of distraction burglaries in which a caller keeps the resident occupied at the front door while another person tries to get in through a back door or window. Anyone in Exmouth who has experienced a similar incident in the last couple of weeks is asked to email exmouth at devonandcornwall.pnn.police.uk on allotments and here we have a lovely picture of the students in the pouring rain but with smiley faces and the thumbs up. Despite a relentless spell of rain all day, a group of volunteers gathered in Sea Change to help build a community allotment. Among the volunteers were four students from Exmouth Community College, Henry, Max, Rowan and Jude, who left a helping hand as part of the Duke of Edinburgh Award. These students tackled a range of projects, including filling raised beds with fresh earth, completing a pond in the nature area, and even laying a new paved area for less mobile members of the allotment community. Catherine, the allotment coordinator, said they were an absolute godsend. Their hard work, combined with the efforts of our amazing volunteers, meant we accomplished a huge amount. The Budley Community Allotment is a welcoming space for all, offering residents of the wider community the chance to grow their own food. 
Emma Roberts of Sue Change added, we invite anyone interested to join their friendly group and get their hands dirty. This report by Adam Manning. Engineering difficulties means that the roadworks on the A376 have been extended. The work being carried out by Wales and West Utilities, which began last month, have come across some engineering difficulties, which means the one-way traffic light system will be in place. This involves a road closure on Exmouth Road between the junction of Cortlands Lane to outside the Saddler's Arms. Drivers are advised to follow any diversions shown and are advised to allow extra travel time. Wales and West Utilities, Roxanne Whitaker, is managing this gas pipe upgrade work. She said, engineering difficulties have meant that we've had to change our plans and this is likely to cause disruption. We know that working in areas like this is not ideal, but it really is essential to make sure we keep the gas flowing to homes and businesses in the area and to make sure that the gas network is fit for the future. We'll have a team of gas engineers on site throughout throughout the project to make sure our work is completed as safely and as quickly as possible while keeping disruption to a minimum. The A376 is one of the main routes into and out of Exmouth, connecting the town to the A3052 towards Sidmouth and with routes into Exeter and towards the M5. Roxanne added, while most of the gas network is underground and out of sight, it plays a central role in the daily lives of people across Limston. This work is essential to keep the gas flowing to local homes and businesses of today and to make sure the gas network is ready to transport hydrogen and biomethane so that we can all play our part in a green future. Life expectancy in East Devon. East Devon has one of the highest life expectancies for children, new figures show. However, overall life expectancy for those born between 1920 and 22 was lower than in 2017 to 2019 in England, Northern Ireland and Wales. Experts said that the decrease has been predominantly driven by the coronavirus pandemic, which led to an increased mortality in 2020 and 2021. Office for National Statistics figures show life expectancy for boys in East Devon stood at 81.8 years and 82.2, 85.2, I beg your pardon, for girls. These were among the highest life expectancies in all three nations. Overall, life expectancy at birth in the UK was 78.6 years for males and 82.6 years for females a fall from 79.3 and 83 years. But a fall in life expectancy does not mean a baby born between, nine, uh, between 2020 and 2022 will go on to live a shorter life than one born in earlier periods. The average lifespan of a person is determined by changes in mortality rates across their lifetime, meaning that if, if rates improve, life expectancy will go back on the ONS, said Julie Stanborough. She's the ONS Deputy Director of Health and Life Events. And she added that it is also clear a geographical divide when it comes to areas with the best and worst outcomes. 
Stagecoach Southwest took a wellbeing bus to Limpston Primary School on Friday, February the 9th, as part of Children's Mental Health Week. The crafted sessions for students in years five and six included a wellbeing workshop on board the bus, followed by a physical activity session led by Tom Johnson, founder of Plus Ed Digital Platform, which focuses on supporting teachers in delivering health and well-being in schools, and Tom Merriman, Director of Exmouth Rehabilitation Charity, RV1. Tom Johnson, owner of Plus Ed, said, Every child has the right to express their views, feelings and wishes in all matters affecting them, and to have their views considered and taken seriously. One in six children and young people now have a night now have a diagnosable mental health condition. By taking part in Children's Mental Health Week, we can ensure that children and young people across the UK feel listened to and know that they're not alone. From February the 5th to the 11th, schools, families and communities across the UK took part in Children's Mental Health Week. This year's theme is My Voice Matters and Place to Be wants all children and young people, whoever they are and wherever they are in the world, to be able to say and believe My Voice Matters. Peter Knight, Managing Director of Stagecoach Southwest, said, We are proud to be taking part in Children's Mental Health Awareness Week 2024. We have many mental health advocates throughout the business who encourage our teams to open up and share any issues. It's something that we are really passionate about and to be able to utilise our buses as a space for these important conversations is something we want to do more of. Stagecoach has plans to extend their well-being bus offer throughout the year, which will encourage social chat on the bus, allowing connections and friendships to build. This kind of practical action, reaching out to people with transport to bring them together, change their environment to engage, is absolutely vital. RV1 is a charity based in Exmouth, whose mission is to rehabilitate, rehabilitate the mind through functional fitness, creativity and adventure built on military foundations to help everyone. Tom Merriman, director at RV1, said, Empowering children and young people can have a positive impact on their health and well-being. Toilets closed after latest senseless vandalism. East Devon District Council has slammed vandals responsible for offensive graffiti in Exmouth Fear Park. The council say new damage, including profanities, is being discovered every day at the toilet block by council officers. The authority is appealing to anyone with any information or description of the vandals, particularly from the first thing in the morning and late afternoon. The issue has been ongoing on and off for more than 18 months, with the issue intensifying in the last six months, especially this has racked up a bill of hundreds of pounds in repair costs, having to be paid with taxpayers' money. Officers will now be working with partner agencies to identify any suspects. As of this week, the toilets will have relocated reduced opening hours, <laughs> opening times between 8.30am and 3pm until further notice to limit the chance of more damage being caused. Councillor Jeff Jung says this is senseless vandalising of public property 
um, and is costing the District Council time and money to continually remove the graffiti and repair the damage which could be better spent on worthwhile projects elsewhere. Working with the police and others, the Council will endeavour to further investigate these very personal, hurtful and bullying messages which must be stopped. Inspector Antonio Weeks from Devon and Cornwall Police said, If anyone has any further information about this matter, please contact the police on 101, quoting reference 5024-002431. Exmouth Mayor standing for Westminster. The Green Party has elected Ollie Davy as their prospective parliamentary candidate for the new parliamentary constituency of Exmouth and Exeter East. The new constituency includes Exmouth, Budley Salterton, Woodbury, Topsham and East Exeter, including and stretching north of the Countess Weir estate. Ollie has been a member of Exmouth Town Council and East Devon Council since May 2019. Mr Davy was elected as Mayor of Exmouth in May last year and becomes the first Green Party Mayor of Exmouth. He's currently serving as the Mayor of Exmouth and Chair of East Devon District Council's Strategic Planning Committee. Ollie is also a musician, performing locally in a number of bands. Ollie stated, I have agreed to stand for Parliament because I want to ensure that there is a Green voice in the forthcoming election. Too often, the environment and climate crisis are left out of the debate or given a token mention. I intend to make sure that they are right at the forefront of our thinking and influence everything that we aim to do. Restaurant Award Darts Farm, newest restaurant, The Farm Table, has just been awarded a prestigious AA rosette. This is the second accolade for The Farm Table, which also won Food Magazine's Reader Award for the Best Newcomer just over 12 months after opening. Michael Dart, who runs Darts Farm alongside his two brothers, James and Paul, said, We are absolutely thrilled to win this accolade, which celebrates the huge effort that has gone into creating the farm table. AA inspectors have an unrivaled wealth of experience in assessing quality throughout the UK, so receiving the the award is a huge achievement and a truly independent recognition of the excellent standard of food that we serve at the farm table. It was during lockdown that we first dreamt about opening a restaurant that would showcase the best produce available from our farm and food hall last summer. Last summer this dream became a reality and the restaurant has gone from strength to strength since opening. In its short history it has already been named Best Newcomer in the Southwest by readers of Food Magazine, been shortlisted for Food and Travel's Best Restaurant Outside of London and now we've been put on the culinary map alongside the best restaurants in the UK with the award of an AA Rosette. The AA Rosette Award, first awarded in 1956, was the first nationwide scheme for assessing the quality of food served by restaurants and hotels. Rosettes are awarded annually on a rising scale based on a meal visit by one or more of their inspectors. Only around 10% of restaurants are considered worthy of an AA Rosette, so this prize award truly identifies the top establishments in the country. 
Michael's son George has been instrumental in bringing the original concept of the farm table to life and creating the new flagship restaurant. He said, our aim with the launch of the farm table was to create a restaurant that would celebrate the simplicity of beautiful ingredients grown, reared, caught and crafted on our doorstep. Produce that cannot be sourced from the farm is provided by our vibrant community of like-minded artisan producers, farmers and fishermen who share our passion for flavour. Since we opened in the summer of 2022, we have had lots of amazing feedback from our customers, which we prize more than anything, but this national award really tops it off and is a reflection of the team's dedication and passion over the past year. We have a trip down memory lane now, um, and it's an article written by Emma Richardson in the journal. Have you ever sung at the bank? The sad news a couple of weeks ago about the closure of local institutions, the bank and number nine bar got me thinking. And there is a lovely picture of the bank here. Are you really from Exmouth? If you've never sung karaoke at the bank, I remember particularly fondly a rendition of a Kings of Leon track with about 25 of us singing it together. Both bars were solid stops on any Exmouth pub crawl back in the day, usually the stop before Q Club because there was the shortcut alleyway that took you almost to the door. I can also remember pool games, watching sport on the big screen, dancing with friends, listening to bands, all whilst wearing some ridiculous fancy dress outfits. The Exmouth of 15 years ago was a cracking night out, every Saturday without fail. I have to be honest, it's been best part of 15 years since I went out for the weekend and regularity. Sometimes life takes us in another direction. But this recent closure once again brings to mind that all our lovely local unique pubs Cafes, restaurants and shops can only survive if we actually use them. It's been tough trading in the last few years and tough times on our finances too. However, sometimes it's a question of thinking about where that pound is going. Do I choose to spend it at a chain pub or do I spend it with a local landlord? Do I buy the gift from a physical retailer in town or order it from Amazon? Hindsight is a wonderful thing, and I know many of us hark back to times when Exmouth was bustling with students, with more independent shops, less empty units, etc. But look at it another way. Our children and children's children will look back at how Exmouth is now and regard this as the good old days. So let's make the most of the great retailers and hospitality venues we do have and enjoy them right now. The Japanese have a phrase, Ishigiga Ichi, <laughs> which means everything is one time only. Every moment is precious. Be fully present. Now these are the names of the people in the obituaries section. Firstly, Pamela Francis-Jones, known as Pam, age 98, Donations, if desired, to Budley Salterton and District Hospice Care directly to the charity. Brian Robert Milford, 76, husband of Val. Donations in his memory for hospice care and Exeter Leukaemia Fund may be sent to 
Richard Gegenson, Funeral Directors, 47 Roll Street, Exmouth, EX8, 2RS. Patricia Margaret Rose, Tapscott, known as Pat, age 93, widow of Tim. All inquiries to Cruz and Son, 16 Tower Street, Exmouth, EX8, 1NT. Telephone number 01395 22552. Sally Muddle, age 6, widow of John. Donations in her memory to Budley Salterton and District Hospice Care, either online at sallymuddle.muchloved.com or sent to Otter Valley Funerals, 1 Brook House, Brook Road, Budley Salterton, EX9 6AY. Their phone number 01395 911118. And Rosemary Rigg, known as Rosie, aged 100. Donations in her memory to Gable's Cat and Dog's Home may be sent to Richard Gegg and Sons, Funeral Directors, 47 Roll Street, Exmouth, EX8, 2RS. A 64-year-old resident and former Royal Marine Commando has been pounding the local pavements over recent months in final training to take on his first ever marathon in Malta. It has been an ambition for Richard Bright, several years in the planning, with ill health having put a stop to an earlier trip. However, this will make it all the more special when on arriving in Valletta to take part in the 2024 Life Star Malta Marathon on February the 25th. The years will roll back to the time he spent on the island as a teenager 46 years ago as part of 41 Commando Royal Marines. Since then, life has taken him all over the world, but he has never forgotten the treasured experience of his first posting as a newly trained RM Commando. So when it came to choosing the location of his first ever marathon, Malta was a no-brainer, especially as this year is the 360th anniversary of the Royal Marines. Richard said, As a young Royal Marine straight out of training, I was privileged to have served on the island for two years, and the experience has has a lasting effect on me and many of the fellow bootnecks. I know measured everything that happened to us after... In, in, uh, after us, uh, to us after in our careers against the time we spent at St Andrew's Barracks and latterly at RAF Luqua. It's really hard to put into words the impact that the experience had on me. I will be thrilled to be back running past so many memorable locations. Many royals, young and not so young, served in Malta and as such its location is steeped in British military history. This year is the core 360th anniversary, and so my aim is not just to complete the marathon, but also to raise funds for RMA, the Royal Marines charity that offers lifelong support, not only to serving personnel, but to the Royal Marines veteran community. Richard adds he has been touched by the response from many of those he has met when training and running along Exmouth Seathrunt in his charity t-shirt. One person even stopped me when he heard my story and what I was going to do 
and gave me a very generous donation on the spot. I can't think of pe- I can't thank people enough for their support. And now for the sports roundup. First of all, football. Exmouth Town are still finding life difficult in the Southern League Division. Oh, sorry, the Southern League Division One, having managed only 14 points from 24 games so far this season. As a result, they are lingering at the bottom of the league. Exeter City have had an upturn in fortunes and are, are no longer threatened by relegation. However, as the teams immediately below them have games in hand, they can't afford to rest on their laurels for too long. The local women's footballers are faring a little better than their male counterparts, with Bradley Salton's women, the Robinettes, topping their league, although they suffered a heartbreaking loss at the quarter-final of the Devon Women's League Cup following a penalty shootout. Exeter City's women, Exeter City women, are also top of their league and have recently secured a semi-final place at the Football Association's Women's National League Cup plate. After 12 games, their recent run of success in the Premier Cup came as at the end of, at Gloucester as they lost 17-14. In the European Championship Cup, they've achieved second place in their, in, their, in their pool and in doing so have qualified for the knockout stages where they meet Bath on April the 6th. So rugby, Exmouth, the Cockles are currently mid-table in their league and as a result of only winning two of their last six games. Their most recent match provided a tough test for the league leaders, Devonport Services, who ran out of winners. The Cockles had at least the consolation of losing a bon- losing bonus point. They have a game in hand over most of the other clubs, so hopefully their league position will improve. Out of other local teams, the Withies are also mid-table and in the local derby against the Exmouth Seconds, the Quins, they unfortunately lost. Exeter Chiefs are also finding life a bit tough in 2024, having lost both their Premiership games However, they remain top in the top after 12 games and their recent success in the Premiership Cup at Gloucester when they lost 17-14. In the European Championship Cup, they've achieved second place in their pool and in so doing have qualified for the knockout stages where they meet Bath on April the 6th. Just a couple of what's on this month. On Saturday the 16th of March, the Bowie Experience are at Exmouth Pavilion uh, on the Esplanade in Exmouth. It starts at 7.30 and tickets are £23. And then on Saturday the 23rd of March, Lionel, the music of Lionel Richie, also at 7.30 and tickets are between £25 and £27, also at Exmouth Pavilion. and. You can email for more information at exmouthpavilion at ledleisure.co.uk. Ethan Evans writes, a world-famous Beatles tribute band is coming to Exmouth as part of their biggest ever UK tour. The Mersey Beatles, who have been performing across the globe for 25 years, will play at Exmouth Pavilion on March the 7th. The tour is part of a celebration marking the 60th anniversary of A Hard Day's Night, the Beatles' commercial and critical success. 
The Mersey Beatles pledged to pay the entire album at their Exmouth show, in addition to a selection of Beatlemania classics. Band members include Mark Bloor, who performs as John Lennon, Stephen Howard as Paul McCartney, and Craig McGowan as George Harrison, and Brian Ambrose as Ringo Starr. They are poised to journey the audience through the Beatles' journey from the pop of peak of a hard day's night to the psychedelic brilliances of Sergeant Pepper and Abbey Road. Stephen Howard said, It's going to be a brilliant night at Exmouth Pavilion when we will be celebrating 60 years of a hard day's night. The album is one of the Beatles' very best and one which captured them at the peak of their pop powers and we can't wait to play it in full. Mr Howard also promised that the show will surely be loved by any Beatles fan. This band does not only reflect the Beatles' music but encapsulates their spirit as well. They have even been lauded as the best Beatles tribute band by the British Beatles fan club. Mark Bloor added, as well as the 60th anniversary of A Hard Day's Night, this year is the 25th anniversary of the Mersey Beatles, so it's a double celebration. Together with the album anniversary, we will be playing 25 other Beatles classics, covering the hits of Beatlemania to Sgt Pepper and Abbey Road, so there'll be something for everyone. Just like the band, they pay tribute to the Mersey Beatles hail from Liverpool and had been the resident Beatles tribute at the world-famous Cavern Club for a decade. Tickets for the Exmouth Pavilion show can be purchased from the venue's website, exmouthpavilion.co.uk or by calling 01395 222 and now for our short letters round. The first one is from Peter Eastwood, Windsor Square, Exmouth, entitled Mental Health. For 84 years I can say in the affirmative that I have been around and experienced quite a lot in my life. I have lived through the Second World War, felt the keenness of economic difficulties without any of the handouts that people get today, and in my teens felt the worrying concerns of Russian threats of atomic warfare and spent time in Her Majesty's forces here and overseas. Did I have any worries, concerns and times of anxiety? Yes. However, nothing so overwhelming to ever make me crumple or make me think or ever think of taking my own life. I was disturbed to read the Guardian newspaper last week of the vast numbers of children under the age of 16 who are troubled by mental health issues. What does that say about our society, our parenting and the spiritual health of our nation? The NHS was once again cited, which is often used as a whipping horse, as critics complained that 600 children per week suffering from mental health issues were not being attended to. On a different note, although one which has a connection to mental health issues among the young and old, a science reporter writing about stress levels and anxiety during the lockdown period when COVID was rife stated, religious people cope better with COVID restrictions than those of no faith. 
This Cambridge University study found that people who had a religious belief were better protected against fear and despair in times of crisis. It showed also that those with a very strong Christian faith were less likely to feel depressed. Professor Larkham, the co-author of the study, said that COVID provided a unique opportunity to measure how religion was important for people dealing with a crisis. This sent me to thinking why my life through turbulent times rarely ever experienced anxiety. I had been nurtured in a home life and an extended family where the Christian faith was practiced. A saying of Jesus which has struck, stuck with me for more years than I can remember is found in Matthew 11, 28-29. Come to me if you are overwhelmed and burdened by life and I will give you restfulness and peace. Paraphrased. And our next letter is from uh, David Croft by email. He says, I am to understand that there is to be a community consultation on the renewal of Exmouth Sea defences. Is this a sign that the Gen Z elected councillors in the local hubs of power, Exmouth Town Hall and at the Blackdown House, are now devoid of their own entrepreneurial free thought, or that they are, to, they are spread betting the blame should future defences fail on the monumental basis again? We elect people to positions of power and community responsibility to safeguard our interests Good old-fashioned councillors, in turn, had decent-minded people with adequate, li adequate life skills in their constituency local parties and associations to turn to for ideas. Plus had knocked on so many residents' doors that they knew who to call on in the community. Seems that Gen Z councillors are so used to working from home, they just don't know what reality is, let alone getting a grip on it. Politics is not about photo shoots and clever updates on social media. Most of the time it's unglamorous daily decision making and teamwork to maintain and improve things in our local public realm spaces and enhancements to our basic living conditions. When the next near miss happens at the next storm, I suggest the people of Exmouth rise up like the waves of the storm and select a whole new set of trusted servants, ones that don't need to consult the community over whether to have sugar in their tea or a teaspoon of honey. This is also an email, but this time from somebody signing themselves M. Holman, and it relates to vandalism. The cowards that take pleasure in tormenting the vulnerable in our area, the old, the disabled and the fearful, etc., who feel forced to take expensive preventative action like installing security lighting or CCTV in order to feel more secure and comfortable in their own homes is a reflection of the society that we now live in. The effect that this has on the victims is manifold suspicion of any young person who just happens to pass by, the sudden fright of any loud noise nearby in case it is a further attack on its way, the lack of sleep due to possible further damage that may come to their property overnight, so regular checks are made to see if everything is still in good order. The toll on the health, both mental and physical, is devastating and some may never recover from these actions or feel really safe again. 
One person has had her property continually attacked, her fences broken and her memorial garden to her husband trashed, but she refuses to allow the onslaught of the mindless dregs of society to win as she struggles to repair the damage done to overwhelm her and she refuses to become a victim, as she says. They cannot break her heart because that was broken when her husband died, but they will never break her spirit either because one day what they do will come back to haunt them and then they will remember what they did and feel regret if it is one on their own who is the target. Well, the next letter entitled Seaside is by Chris Harwood via email. I suspect that a large number of visitors to Exmouth Seafront at this time of year are unwittingly being persuaded to pay a very high car parking fees unnecessarily. Parking along Queen's Drive beside the beach, visitors pay, for example, £4 for two hours or £8 for ten hours, paying at a machine administered by Devon County Council. By opting to park not many yards away on the other side of the road at Foxholes or Queen's Drive car parks, or in the large lay-by on that side of the road, parking until midnight can be had for a flat rate of £2, but a winter rate. These machines are administered by East Devon District Council. Why can East Devon District Council offer this welcome concession, very welcome for people wanting to enjoy a walk along the much-advertised Jurassic Coast path, and Devon County Council cannot? Exmouth and our other resorts need and want visitors, many of whom have to park their vehicles, so a little bit of financial incentive would help. And now to our round of news items. Tesco donate buoyancy aids. Exmouth Tesco at Salterdon Road in Exmouth donate buoyancy aids to the National Coach Watch Institution in Exmouth. Coastal Safety Officer Karen Goldby received them last week from Lisa O'Shaughnessy, who deals with community liaison at the Tesco store. Lisa is keen to assist in water safety and will be arranging for the Coastal Water Safety Team from NCI Exmouth to have a stand at the store later in the season to inform shoppers about local conditions and staying safe at the coast and in the water. Karen said, the buoyancy aids will be used in our coastal water safety education program. Such a generous donation will allow us to share them amongst other NCI stations in the area who also go out and about speaking to young people and community groups about coastal safety. <clears throat> a group of experts will delve into the lasting impact of the Romans' occupation of Topsham, Exeter and Devon at an event at Topsham Museum. They will take part in a day-long event named The Romans in Topsham and Beyond on Saturday, March the 2nd from 9.30 to 3 o'clock. Topsham Museum President Rachel Nichols said Topsham has been the scene of many of Devon's most notable archaeological excavations and discoveries. It's a topic that absolutely is absolutely relevant today. There were digs in recent years in, on Exeter Road when work was going on to prepare for Aldi's supermarket. Over the years, these excavations have found storerooms, a fortlet and a Roman road between Topsham and Exeter. 
Our day of learning will be an opportunity to piece together the puzzle of what our area looked like under the Roman occupation. Speakers such as Dr. Val May, May uh, Dr. Val Mayfield, former professor of archaeology at Exeter University, Dr. John Salvatore, formerly of English heritage and author of the book of Roman Exeter, and Bill Horner, Devon County archaeologist, will share their insights into this era. Tickets are £33 with refreshments included until February the 12th and then after that £35 and are available online from the Eventbrite website or in person from the Topsham Bookshop. If you're interested in looking after the environment and doing your bit, this little article by um, Adam Manning might be of interest to you. It's a lineup of events taking place at Magpies Festival of Thrift in Exmouth on March the 2nd and, and 9th, which has re recently been announced. It's a week-long festival ce celebrating all things thrifty, upcycling, repurposing, saving, mending and reusing. Over the week, there are lots of low-cost workshops free activities and a family fun day exploring skills and ideas for fixing old items or turning them into new ones and creating community along the way. ECOs, Exmouth Community College students who attended a weekly environmental club, will create activities for the Magpies Festivals. The group from years 8, 9 and 10 have created two challenges based in the town's charity shops to encourage more people to consider buying second hand. The first is a snazzy fashion challenge where entries will put together an Oscar worthy outfit to be shown off on the catwalk. The second is a scavenger hunt where teams scour the shops and photograph items for categories like wackiest hat or shiniest thing. The Ecos group have also been working on a project to encourage people to recycle their tech. A large wire-framed robot sculpture is being commissioned that people, where people can add their tech to before it all goes to be repaired or recycled. The Mad Magpies are attempting to make a mile of bunting. During the week of the festival, magpies will be collecting fabric, pressing, cutting and sewing bunting and are calling for helpers. If you would like to learn how to make bunting, then you can join the sewing sessions or community groups that make their own. The bunting will be used to decorate the Exmouth Festival in July, and also some will be donated to the Library of Things, so members can borrow it for their own events. Local creators and volunteers made wonderful bunting for the festival many years ago, which is still in use, but much of it is now degraded and needs to be replaced. It's perfect for roping off precious flower beds and decorating the festival sites. Made from scraps, people are lying around, it's the perfect sustainable decoration. Sunday, March the 4th, sees the launch of Magpie Tables. Mag Magpie Tables are a way to turn unwanted items into wanted ones. On the first Sunday of the month, we encourage people to leave unwanted items outside their house to be picked up by anyone who wants it. If you have a lot of things, put a table out and offer books, clothes or household items. Exmouth firefighters will walk 33 miles of the Jurassic Coast in full kit to raise money for local charities. The fire crew hopes to reach a donation target of £500 for the firefighters charity and Devon Mind. 
It was conceived by firefighter Tribble late last year, which involves hiking the length of the iconic coastline equivalent to Exmouth Fire Station's station number 33. The event will take place on April the 27th and they aim to complete it between 12 and 15 hours. This physically demanding challenge has an added twist as the firefighters will be donned in full firefighting gear including breathing apparatus. The funds raised from this strenuous trek will go directly towards enhancing the lives of those suffering from mental health problems. A spokesman for Exmouth Fire Station said, we need your support to make this endeavour worthwhile. By donating to our cause, you'll be directly directly contributing to the well-being of those who need it most. Well, that concludes the items selected for this week, and we do hope that you found something of interest to you. But before we leave you... Here is a notice from Jill Laws, our Social Secretary, regarding our upcoming AGM. The Exmouth Talking Newspaper, AGM, will take place on Saturday the 13th of April at 3pm at the All Saints Church Hall in Exeter Road, Exmouth. Do come along and meet each other and some of the volunteers. Following the AGM, there will be tea and biscuits, and a chance to chat to each other. Attendees in the past have always enjoyed the afternoon. There will also be the usual travel. Volunteers will try to provide transport for those who need it. If you would like to come, please include a slip of paper in the wallet when you return it with your name and indicate if you need transport by adding adding a large letter T. You are welcome to bring someone with you, and if doing so, please indicate this on the reply. Please do not leave it too late to reply, as it does seem a long way ahead, but it takes time for the replies to reach me, and the postal deliveries are not very regular at the present time. So until the next time, all of us here on Team A hope that you stay safe and well and keep smiling. Goodbye. Bye.